going to, uh, to view the slideshow from, uh, from the mission trip, and it, it's not terribly long. It's about 15 pictures, and so we want, but we want to show you a little bit and then also offer kind of a little bit of a commentary as we walk through it. So at this same I want to, time, I want to invite the team, uh, if they will, to come up uh, on stage uh, and to sit on these stools. What's that? Well, this is uh, this is a normal dress in Africa, so we we wanted to stay true to. <laughs> Who said that, Uncle Earl? Uh, first thing I want to do is just ask everyone on the team to uh, introduce themselves, uh, and uh, and then we'll start looking at the the slideshow. Okay. Michelle Bordelon. Jordan Bordelon. Emma Taylor. Uh, my name is Daudi. Uh huh. <laughs> David Morrison. <clears throat> all right. And so as we uh, we all took off on the plane, uh, go ahead and put the uh, the slideshow up, if you will. And uh, this is we arrived at um, at the Sunset Hotel. Would anybody want to comment on our on our accommodations there? This is our team before we're leaving, right? They were what? Oh, yeah, they were better than Busimbatia. That's right. The place we stayed in Busimbatia. But Busimbatia had electricity, so that was a, that was a plus. Uh, all right, so this is our team, and this is the, behind us is the bus that we traveled in uh, that took us all over. And so it, um, it was the first bus we had been in in Africa that had air condition. Normally, they don't have air condition. Okay, let's see the next one. All right, so this is uh, Easter Sunday, as you can see. Um, anyone want to comment on the service? Okay. Um, the bus drove up, and um, children just ran out from just all over. And inside the church, the church was singing, and we greeted the children a little bit, and they t- said it was time for us to go on in. And um, I've never felt so welcome at all. I mean, it just because I'm emotional to begin with, but it was just so emotional. They were just so happy that we were there, and Pastor Ronald kept saying, thank you, thank you. He didn't think we were going to come. He thought something was going to happen, and we weren't going to be there. And it was, just, it was just an amazing, amazing day. You can hold it. Uh, the next one. All right. Uh, mm-hmm. You want to comment? You want to comment on it? This is the uh, the pastors' conference. This total group, that's right. Ladies uh, and men together, and we would have uh, you know some praise and worship time before we would split up, and and uh, it was really it was really wonderful to see, particularly the uh, not that it wasn't important to see the women, but it was particularly encouraging to me to see all of the pastors from the surrounding. Uh, towns and villages, I guess, to that had come uh, for this. I think Pastor Ronald was a little bit disappointed that there weren't a few more, but uh, I felt like the turnout was really good. It was it was 35, 30 to 35 pastors, and 
uh, I thought that was just a, a, a really good turnout, and it was the it was great interacting with them, and how quickly they would, um, you know, w want to make friends and talk to you about uh, particular things and uh, give you prayer requests. That was that was really uh, interesting to me. All right, that's you teaching. Uh, I had the opportunity to teach on Monday, and uh, the the topic that we had kind of agreed on was to uh, talk about agriculture. Uh, about 50% of their economy, as you might expect, is agriculture. And so uh, we talked about, uh, from Genesis 1, uh, you know, having dominion and ruling over and what, what, that, what that means uh, for growing crops and livestock and being good stewards and doing your work as unto the Lord and and uh, that was kind of the text that we used. And then I talked about some, um, some ways that they could uh, hopefully increase their efficiency and their livestock production. And there was a great response from that. In fact, a response that Pastor George wanted me to do the same thing on Saturday at Bugiri. So that was, uh, that was really encouraging to me. I, I wasn't sure if they were listening. And then afterward, there were just many, many questions that came. And so uh, that, was, that was uplifting to me. leave that one that that was uh, me teaching uh, we did a three-day pastor conference so it was Monday Tuesday and Wednesday and uh, on Monday Mr. David taught and on Tuesday Shane taught Shane taught about Islam and it was a tremendous uh, a tremendous time of uh, just instruction for the guys uh, for the pastors that were there to be equipped uh, to be able to share and give a defense for the faith in light of Islam because it's so prevalent there and it's so heavy and dense uh, and a lot of it is a folk Islam um, and in many ways it it mimics what we have here today of folk Christianity in America uh, so people kind of claim to be Islamic by name but maybe not necessarily in all of practices uh, but but anyway so Shane taught then and then uh, I was able to teach the pastors uh, and, and walk through James and present them with uh, with a just an outline and kind of a, a maybe a central idea of each passage, and then we were able to go back and walk through and answer some of the hard questions, like uh, when when James says that uh, Abraham was justified uh, by works when he offered up Isaac, uh, and then Paul in Ephesians chapter two says that we're saved by grace through faith, and that not of works. Uh, and so there were some questions regarding that, and then interestingly enough, there were some questions about. Uh, the use of anointing oil as well, and if it has power. And so we were able to walk through that from James chapter 5. Uh, and, and so in so many ways and on so many levels, uh, we kind of, we got there and we, we arrived there not being certain exactly whether what we were prepared to teach on uh, was what they needed, but it was really amazing uh, just to see how God worked and led us to meet the need that Booth Simbatia had and the pastors there had to really help equip them. Uh, and so it was a, a tremendous time. Uh, Dr. David taught one day, Shane taught one day, and then uh, I, I taught one day uh, at the pastor's conference there at Faith Baptist Church. Uh, we did a three-day conference with the children, and we did the Easter, because it was right after Easter, so we did the resurrection and his death and everything. We had about 255 kids every day.
Um, for the children's conference, it was really encouraging just to be able to tell them the Easter story and just to hear the responses. We would ask them questions, um, and I wasn't even sure if they were listening, and they were able to answer our questions clearly, and sometimes they even answered questions that we didn't think they'd know, and um, it was just really neat to be with the kids every day and just to be able to love on them while we were there. I was very worried about the ladies' conference, and um, God provided a translator, and her name is Chosen, and she and I just bonded instantly, and she just, she did a wonderful job, and um, I was worried about what I had thought that I was going to teach, if it was going to be something they enjoyed and liked, and, and they're very hard to read. It's not like how y'all are looking at me and smiling, like, you know, they just, it's just a, a blank look, and I, so I kept asking Chosen, do, are they liking this? You know, are they, do they like it? Do they understand? And um, each day I, I taught scripture, and we do a little craft, and the first day was um, about memorizing scripture, and I tell, it's Job 12.10, in his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. And I practiced with them to memorize that, and um, we talked about how God had made them, knew them when they were in the womb, and I had a book to show them pictures of what a baby looks like inside the womb since they don't have ultrasounds like we do, and that God loved them, and we talked about, I did a... Um, a um, salvation necklace, and I did that on the last day, and Jordan and Emma and Bethany came and helped me, and we talked about salvation and how to be saved, and everybody wanted a necklace. They really, really liked it, and I think they enjoyed it, because we as women like to do crafts, and so I was so glad that God had put that in my mind for me to do, and um, they just loved me, and I just, I just love each one of them, and I'm so thankful that I was able to go, and, and it was just an amazing experience. I don't know how many times I've said it was an amazing experience, but it was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Let me get this so everyone can see you. This is the um, clinic where the people of Busambatia go when they, if they have the money. And if they're sick, you have to have the money to go there. And I tried to take pictures, and I got my pictures developed, and they didn't come out. But this place is absolutely filthy, absolutely, totally, unbelievably filthy. And there's beds that um, I think David said that they saw bed bugs in, and they're not covered. It's just mattresses. We came to present them with blankets for each bed and a mosquito net for each bed because these people stay in here with no blanket and no sheet. You have to provide your own food, your own sheets. And um, there was people in the room hooked up to IVs, and the IV was hanging on the bars of the window, and there's kids poked in looking at us. And um, the people were very kind, and we went around and prayed. The men prayed with the men, and, we, and I prayed with the women and the children. And it was just, um, you just realize what we have here and what they have is just it's just unbelievable and um we there was a lady that was in labor and she had asked jordan to come get me to pray and and so i had prayed with her and we left to go to the prison and we had we came back mr david and um vernon came to hang finish hanging the um mosquito nets and she had had the baby 
and I got to hear the baby crying, and that was just a, um, an amazing experience. Uh, yeah, just, just commenting on that. That was interesting. They had, a, one, a, a, I guess, two sides. I don't know whether it was a men's or women's side or, or just or two different sides to the clinic with beds on either side. So we said, can we start on this side? And they said, no, the ladies in labor there. So we started on the other side and finished. And while we were going, you know, the, you heard the baby crying, the new birth. Uh, but the, I guess what I wanted to say was the, the response to the patients of just having blankets and mosquito nets as we were trying to hang the, hang the nets uh, was just really, you know, overwhelming gratitude. And, and that was, you know, that was, that was just really neat. And uh, the other thing I want to say is we can't, uh, for us, underestimate the uh, importance of Dr. Sivage, the dean at uh, UBS. He was with us the whole week, Uganda Baptist Seminary. He was with us the whole week, and he was very helpful because of his, you know, knowledge of Uganda and the people and, and the customs and, and all kinds of things, and, and, uh, and he worked right along with us hanging mosquito nets, and I really appreciated that. Mm -hmm. and, and I have a picture of David. Um, is Martha in here? Um, on a ladder that um, he should not have been on. <laughs> it's three pieces of woods, and he, he was on that ladder hanging. I took a picture for you, but I didn't put it on Facebook because I didn't want you to worry. <laughs> <laughs> we got him hung. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, this is the prison. Any, anybody want to share? Um, I mean, I, I can share, but you'll hear me more in a minute. Um, at the prison, Pastor Ronald provided a huge pot of rice, and um, we served the prisoners, so they sat down and we made them food and get, brought it to them, and then they would hand us an empty bowl, and we'd go fill it back up, and we kept doing it until we ran out. And by the way, I don't think we pointed out, Pastor Ronald is the guy in the black and white shirt to the right of the screen. Uh, he's, a, he's a tall, slender man, and... And uh, just a really humble man of God. That was that was obvious throughout the week, and uh, you know his heart for the the people, including prisoners, because he had been a prisoner, uh, was was uh, was amazing. Uh, and and I would add that uh, what was the response from we're feeding the prisoners, the prison guards, uh, at both the clinic and the prison, we handed out. Soap. Well, at the prison we handed out soap, but at the uh, uh, at, at both places we handed out sugar and rice, uh, which was a those are two just staples uh, for anyone there in Uganda. And so they were very appreciative. Uh, as we went here to the prison, we also handed out blankets uh, to all of the prisoners, and they were very very appreciative. In fact, they had. Um, they had never seen anything like this. And the response from the medical clinic, the hospital, and the prison was the same. Uh, they were in awe of seeing the gospel in action. Uh, Pastor Byron alluded earlier that we had uh, really kind of helped a faith Baptist church there in Busimbatia to, uh, to be put on the map in the eyes of the community. And one of the ways that that happened was... Uh, through going to the clinic and going to the prison and handing out these basic necessities. Uh, no one has ever done that uh, 
at these places. No one has ever done that. It's never been done before. And uh, when we went, we were able not only to hand this out, but also to share the gospel. Uh, and so it was a, just a tremendous opportunity to show the gospel in action. This is faith at work. Uh, and so it was a great kind of capstone as well for the week, and especially with the pastors, and even walking through James and showing that faith is a faith, uh, a true faith is a faith that is in action. We are taking action and taking steps for those who truly have faith in Jesus Christ. And so it's a great picture uh, to really encapsulate the ministry, uh, the, the, uh, the ministry of the gospel. One quick story about God's uh, uh, providence and provision. So we go to the clinic first, and, we, you know, they had bought X number of blankets. I don't know how many we bought. And so we said, well, how many do we need in the hospital? So we provided it's in the hospital. So we get to the, get to the prison, and we, and we say, how many blankets we got left? Well, I don't know. How many prisoners are there? Well, let's go count. We may not have enough. There were 15 prisoners, and we had 15 blankets left. Amen. So we had just That's what right. we needed. That's right. And then I wanted to say, it was kind of a bad connection when Byron was talking about Pastor Ronald. He had um, baptized four people in 2009. He had baptized some people, and four people went back to where they, the baptism had taken, and, taken place, and those four people drowned. And Pastor Ronald was arrested for that, and he mm-hmm. was put in this prison. And they, the, the two children, um, Grace, one of the interpreters at Busambadia said, the two children were uh, children of Islam and two children were children of witch doctors. And mm-hmm. said, he said that their, our God had put a curse on their mm-hmm. children. So this is what Pastor Ronald is having to deal with. So by us doing these things, it's for Faith Baptist Church. They're seeing that the good has come from Faith Baptist Church, whereas they blamed Pastor Ronald for those four people dying. This is Pastor Ronald, um, and then in the, uh, so on the right picture, I'm standing there with Pastor Ronald, and he was given a hat. It's kind of funny, the hat just says, whatever. (laughs) So, uh, no point in it, but that was a hat that was given to him. Uh, And then, uh, on the left-hand side, that's, um, that is Byron wearing a wrap. But he was handing it, giving it to Dina. And so Dina is Pastor Ronald's wife. And he was showing Dina how some of the ladies wear the wrap. And so he did really well at showing her that. Uh, I uh, wanted to take this picture when I, when I could because this is Pastor George. George Wafula, uh, at, pastor at Bugiri that we've been helping in. His wife, Irene, and then the guy on the right is uh, Vernon Sivage again, the dean at uh, Uganda Baptist Seminary. So I guess for me, it's always, um, <clears throat> I don't know, just sort of an overwhelming thing to know that to, to, to have prayed for somebody you've never met and then to meet them. Mm-hmm. That's just a real, real neat thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you pray, we, we've all prayed for Pastor uh, George and his church, and, and, uh, and God is using Pastor George in mighty ways. This is the half-day half conference at Bugiri, so uh, this was you teaching. Yeah, I, that, that was just the same subject again as previously uh, in the week. And uh, An interesting thing about this was uh, we kind of took a day of rest on Friday before coming to Bugiri, and that day, or that evening, I, I, was, I was teaching this day, 
on this was Saturday. Uh, Shane was teaching this day, and of course, uh, Jordan was responsible for the for the, the children, and along with Emma and, and others. And the three of us got pretty sick, and uh, so, but God, you know, God saw us through. Uh, poor Shane was was he was really ill with nausea, and but uh, uh, but we made it through by by God's grace. Yeah, we we believe our team was under attack, um, and uh, we spent time in prayer over uh, that night while they were sick, just praying. Uh, for the spiritual warfare that we believe was going on because the three people that got sick were the three leaders of the conference the next day. Uh, and so it wasn't coincidental. We believe it was an attack of Satan. And so we spent time praying and God was victorious even as we sang this morning. This is uh, the roof at Bougueri. Uh, do you want to share about this? I know this was a. I just, passion. I just, uh, I think I took these pictures. That's our team on the right going into the church in Bugari. I guess on Saturday or either Sunday morning. I don't know which, but, and and uh, the roof. You know, this is the roof Cross Point paid for. Now you've probably seen these pictures before. I don't know, but uh, the it's a nice metal roof and and uh, well done. And and uh, I I joked with with Pastor George. I said, Well, George, you've got a more substantial structure for worship in than Cross Point does. <laughs> Right. We said we're going to email him and show him pictures. So, okay. I believe this is the last picture. This, this is the dorm at Uganda Baptist Seminary also that Cross Point has had, um, you know, a, a hand in paying for. And, and um, we probably ought to write. I made some notes and I don't, can't recall them off the top of my head about the capacity of the seminary. I think it's up to about 150 and... and how important that is to uh, pastoral training in 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 Uganda is I don't think can be underestimated. So uh, I'm again thankful to have, see something we've prayed for to see with your own eyes is a is a great thing. Is that it? Okay. All right, and then uh, the last thing I want us to do as a team here is to share with you, uh, I've got a few questions, I want us to share some answers to these questions, uh, and just kind of give you an insight of maybe what God has taught us, you've heard a lot about the trip now, uh, and I'm sure you still have other questions, and we'd be happy to answer your questions after, and uh, just kind of pull us aside and ask us, but uh, let, us, uh, let us share with you by, uh, through these questions, so uh, the first one is directed toward Michelle. Uh, and I did send them the question, so they're not just having to answer off the cuff this morning. Uh, the question is this uh, statement first. You led the women's conference at Faith Baptist Church at Busimbatia. What has God taught you through this trip and your leading the conference? Well, I, I wrote it down because I knew I would be nervous and not be able to say what I needed to say. So God has, has taught me so much. But the, the things I'm going to talk about right now are the first thing is that God answers prayer. When Byron had the meeting back um, last year talking about the Uganda trip, I went and I started praying and asking God if I could go. And someone called me and said that they were going to help pay for, my, for me to be able to go on the trip. So um, by them being obedient to God, I knew that that was God's answer and that he wanted me to go to Uganda. So God answers prayer, which is, I know that, but sometimes I forget. Um, and that the second thing is that God can use even me. 
um, Byron sent an email with each person's name and the responsibility of what they were going to do on the trip. And beside my name, it said ladies' conference. And Byron hadn't called and asked me if I could teach the ladies' conference. So to me, that was God's assignment. I was appointed to do that. And so I had all of you praying. I had other people praying because I've never taught a ladies' conference in the United States, much less in Uganda, and not be able to speak the language. And um, I had prayed, God, let me be like Beth Moore. Let me be able to teach the word like she does and explain it like she does. And if God had wanted Beth Moore to go to Busambatia in Bugiri, God would have sent Beth Moore. But, but God chose me to go. And um, I know it was because God wanted me to love them and to show them his love. And that's why it was me that I was able to go. And um, the Holy Spirit led me every day. I had, this is my notebook, and I had my plan of what I was going to do. And several times I said things, and I did things that were not in the notebook that I know were of God. And at one moment in the ladies' conference, it was... um, constant coming and going they would get up and leave and go and um and it was just amazing and I was standing there and it was just like a split second everything stopped and God said I brought you here and it was just I had many moments like that but it was just um he did he he provided for me to go and um and the third thing is that God loves the people of Uganda and now the ten of us love the people of Uganda And um, we're changed because of that. And we can tell you all about it and explain it to you, but you can't understand it until you go and set your feet there. It's just you you can't, you have to physically be there. And so I'm praying for any of you that if you feel like God wants you to go on a mission trip, for you to start praying about it and ask God to open the doors, and he will provide if if that's his will. And um, I would like for us to continue to pray for the people of Busambatia, how God wants us to continue to help them. And um, I want to go back, and I want to serve them because God loves them, and he wants us to, to go and tell them that. And I'm so very thankful that he's allowed me to experience every single moment, everything that happened on, in those 12 days. Thank you, Michelle. The next question is directed to Jordan. And the question, um, the statement, you've been going on this trip to Uganda since you were 16. And this was your fourth trip to Uganda. What has God taught you through these trips about himself? God has taught me that um, he is not just here. He's not just in Louisiana. He's not just in America. We may have more, but He's there in Uganda, and he's spiritually there. He's working. He loves them, and um, they definitely show it that they love God. And, um, he's just taught me that it's not just America. You know, being there so young, being able to go there and to experience it, I'm blessed because I've seen poverty. I've seen kids. Who would, I could see their heart beating through mm-hmm. their chest because they were so skinny, and um I'm just very thankful that he's let me go this many times. The next question is for uh, Dr. David. As an elder of Crosspoint, what's your view regarding the importance of Crosspoint's mission work among Bugiri Baptist Church and Faith Baptist Church of Busambathia? Yeah, when uh, when I got Nick's question, uh, you know, I thought and prayed about it for a few minutes, and, and almost immediately the 
scripture here in 1 Corinthians 3 came to mind where it says, What then is Apollos and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God caused the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. And so as I thought about this, you know, we, we did not plant the Bugiri Church. We did not plant the Busimbacha Church. But I see Cross Point as a watering church. We are taking part in the, in the watering uh, of that for God to give the growth. And as this says, we are, we are fellow workers with them. And, uh, you know, we are, we are to be in service to them. And, and, and I think, uh, you know, as an officer in our church, that's a great testimony of, of what we need to be about as a mission-minded church, uh, that our mission is beyond the bounds of here, of, here, uh, of, of Baton Rouge, and of even Louisiana. But it's, uh, it's, it's international and it's global, as these flags uh, so well uh, speak to us each, each and every Sunday. And then what has God taught you through this trip? Pretty much the same thing that uh, Michelle and uh, Jordan have already conveyed, and, and, and that is that, you know, there are brothers and sisters in Christ all over this world. And, and again, you know that intellectually, but when you see it, uh, it, really, it really becomes really real. And, um, you know, you, like they've said, you know, you, you love those guys, and you're, and you're praying. You want to pray for Pastor Ronald and for his associate pastor's name, by the way, is Grace. The guy's name, Grace. Uh, but uh, you want to pray for those guys. And i tell you how we can, what struck me that we really need to pray for them for us, a number of things. But um, very few men in that church, and I'm told that that's the way it was in Bulgaria uh, as well, and... I think the before and after picture that was so stark is, is, is a real good testimony. Busimbacha is the before picture. Mm-hmm. And we are praying that God will do for them, maybe not the exact same thing, but what he wants to do in, in a way to build that church up like he has in Bugari. Bugari is the after picture. God, mm-hmm. is, God has worked there, has used us, and has used others uh, for these years. To, to cause that church to grow. And there are now men in that church. And I had the opportunity Monday morning to talk with three of them, uh, Moses and Frederick and uh, uh, another guy named David. And, and uh, you know, strong men of God. One guy's a teacher. One was a, uh, owned an Internet cafe. And I think the other one was a farmer. And, and I don't think they were in that church early on. And they've come and to, to be a part. And now they were part of the mission team mm-hmm. uh, that was reaching out. And so... Uh, I'm, I'm stating too much. Okay. <laughs> uh, the final question is for Emma. Uh, the statement, you've been on cross-point mission trips to Mexico and Uganda. How has God used these trips to shape your faith and lead you in following him? Um, I went to Mexico the first time when I was about 13. and um, It was one of those sum- early summers that I felt his call to missions. And um, then I never imagined I'd go to Africa. And I remember the day that the team came back the first year and they gave their report, I sat there and I, I knew I was going to Uganda one day and um, God's blessed me twice to go. And just every time I, I fall more in love with God and more in love with the people there and I just, um, I'm learning more to depend on him and less on me. And I know I can't do this without him. And I just, every time I go, he takes more of my comfort away to 
depend so that I can depend more on him and um, just rely on him for my strength and my future. All right. Thank you, team. Thank you for sharing. Any closing comments that you want to share? Okay. All right. Well, uh, let us pray uh, for the team as God has brought us back safely. And then I want to share briefly from God's word. I say briefly, okay? So let us, uh, let us pray. Father, thank you so much for your mercies, how you have shown them to us. And that you have brought uh, ten people from America to Uganda. And you have used us in a mighty way, ways that we couldn't begin to fathom ways that we certainly are not worthy of. Thank you, Lord, for the support of our church and for the prayer that has been lifted up by the members in, of Crosspoint. And uh, thank you, God, for bringing us there and returning us safely. And thank you, Father, for the opportunity to share this report this morning. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. I want to contextualize what we have done this morning <clears throat> through the book of Acts. <clears throat> In Acts chapter 13 and chapter 14, this is the missionary journey, the first missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. Paul was gathered in Antioch with the church there. The church had been scattered and many had migrated to Antioch. And so Antioch had become the hub now to send out missionaries and to send out a mission team throughout the world. And in chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Now there were at Antioch in the church that was there prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who is called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, while they were there, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them to. And as we see, even here in chapter 13, the beginning of the first missionary journey, there was a calling that God had certainly given to Paul and to Barnabas as these men. They were called to go out uh, and to proclaim the gospel and to be witnesses and take the word of God around the world then the known world, and so what happens is the church recognizes this calling, and they come alongside of the mission team, and they commend them, and they pray to God, and they fast and pray on behalf of the team, and they send this team out, and the team goes out, and Paul and Barnabas, as you know, begin going throughout the known world there, proclaiming the gospel, preaching the gospel, starting churches, and in chapter uh, 14, we see where, verse, let's see, verse 21. So chapter 13 through the end of chapter 14 is the, uh, is the recap of the entire first missionary journey. And in verse 21, it says, 14, After they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. And that is, so after they had gone through and proclaimed the gospel and made disciples, they then began to backtrack and go back through the churches that they had started. 
And they begin to go back through and, uh, and disciple and make sure that the churches were established and do this work, as Dr. David shared, a work of watering as they were uh, watering the churches and helping them to grow. And their heart and their desire were for discipleship and making disciples. And so in chapter 14, we see, even in verse 23, when they had appointed the elders for them in every church, having prayed and fasting, they commended them to the Lord whom they had believed in. It was important for the mission team to see that the churches had become established. And listen, one of the joys that we get to see at Crosspoint is the establishment of a church in Uganda, namely Bugeri. Bugari is running about 300 in worship on Sunday, and they're now at having two services. And I was just blown away to hear the impact that they have had in the community there in Bugari. And what they've done is so simple. They've lived out their faith. They've shared the gospel with their neighbors. They've shared the gospel in the fields as they plow alongside of others. They help one another out. There's a tangibleness to the gospel when it's lived out in the lives of people. That's what Bugari has been doing. And Crosspoint has been such an integral part of that. You saw the roof that was on Bugari's building. One of the huge things in, uh, in Uganda, in Bugari, even in, in all of that area, is that there would be an established church building so that people in the community say, this is a church that is established. They're, they're here. And so Crosspoint, by helping them and putting the roof on and spending that money to give them the money to put the roof on has been a tremendous blessing. But not only that, Going and partnering, sending our financial resources, sending our people as resources to go and to share the gospel there, to disciple, to equip, to train, and to build them up. It's a tremendous partnership in the gospel. And so I encourage us and I exhort us in that. We ought to rejoice in seeing what has happened in Bugiri. At the end of verse 26 of chapter 14, verses 26 through 28, it says, From there... They sailed to Antioch. So they finished their missionary journey. They had gone back through and strengthened and established the churches. Then they came back to Antioch. And when they arrived back in Antioch, from which they had been, they were commended, uh, or from which they had been commended to the grace of God for the work they had accomplished. It says, when they arrived in verse 27 and gathered the church together, they began to report all the things God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they spent a long time with the disciples. You see, they came back and they began to report all the things that God had done. And there are many things that God did in the midst of this trip that we just don't have the time this morning uh, to, to sit here and to share with you just of how God began to do a work and we, we, we would pray that God would uh, would guard this meeting during the midst of, uh, of Shane teaching on Islam because it's such a hot topic there, knowing that we are countering uh, the, uh, the wickedness of, uh, of the culture there by teaching against Islam and equipping pastors. So we would pray for, uh, for just God to give a, 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 His protection around us, around that camp, and, and for God to do a work there and just to protect the group while we were there to work through us in the midst of sickness and uh, to work through the team in the midst of teaching and preaching the gospel uh, to encourage the 
prisoners and to encourage uh, the church in the midst of the eyes of the community. I mean, God did so many great things in our midst. And so as we come back, we want to share with you the blessing of that because everyone of Crosspoint is a partnership in that. Every member of Crosspoint who has, who has given and contributed toward the simply by, by giving a tithe and being faithful in giving to the church, we have supported that because we have a mission scholarship that that helps to send a team Uh, and we have taken resources and we have put resources over there and we have given finances to help build a church and to help establish a church and so I think the challenge that we come back with is okay we see what's happened after five years of partnership in Bulgaria now what about the next five years What do they look like with Vusimbatia? How would God use us to help and to encourage and to equip the church there in Vusimbatia? You know, one of the tremendous blessings, and I'm sure that you've heard this before, the growth that's happening in Bugheri is modeled after what happened with Crosspoint here. Whenever Bugheri found out and Pastor George found out that Crosspoint had sent out a mission team and sent out a a group from the church to go and to replant a church in Mid-City, Grace Baptist Church. They said, hey, why can't we do that? If Crosspoint did that, we need to do what they have done. And so they began looking and they found a place and the pastor's name is Jackson, one who went out from their church and went to replant a church in a neighboring village called Isra, and it's Isra Baptist Church. And and so now they've they've modeled that. They've they've taken uh, a, a... one from their congregation and some from their congregation, they've sent them there to replant a church and to do a work of revitalization. But it hasn't stopped there for them. They've also sent out a team to plant a new church in a neighboring village. And so these are things that happen when there is a, when there is a gospel partnership that focuses on, on, on carrying out and being faithful to God's word. And so I want to commend us this morning. I want to commend us that we have, we have partnered together in the gospel with the church on the other side of the world. And we have labored in making disciples of the nations. We've also labored in making disciples here. And so I want to highlight this morning as well for us, let's not forget grace. Let's not forget the grace congregation that we sent out uh, 60 60 members of our church or 60 people from our church over there in the initial replant. And some have have come back and and rejoined the fellowship here and some are continuing to remain there. Uh, we're two years into the partnership, and this is the third year. And, and, and as we go through 2013, we cannot forget to be in prayer. And to, we cannot forget to help and to, uh, to support the ministry of Grace Baptist Church. Perhaps one of the ways that we can do that is, is even by just very soon in the summer, in the beginning of June, going and helping them with their vacation Bible school and just supplying some, some people, some Uh, some manual labor, some support. And so um, just want to encourage you to be in in prayer about how to do that. One question that we, maybe some are asking this morning is, why do we place such an importance on missions? And I think the reason we place such an importance on missions is because God God is a global God. God is a God who's for the global proclamation of the Scripture. He's for making disciples of the nations. That's why we place such an importance on making disciples. 
And our strategy, as we said earlier, is to be disciples who make disciples. And so if you go and look on Crosspoint's website where it says history and strategy, you'll see that. We want to be disciples who make disciples. And on that, we answer, we answer some questions. The who, the what, the when, the where, the how, and the why. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't been there lately, to read through that, to go and to read through that. That's what we as a church are about. Everyone, every member of Crosspoint, we want to encourage to be engaged in being a disciple and making disciples. One scripture that highlights this is Colossians 1.28. says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And so the goal of our discipleship is maturity of all believers, maturity of everyone in our congregation until the day of sanctification when we will be glorified with Christ Jesus. But until then, we realize that we haven't arrived yet. And so we want to grow together in God's grace. We want to grow together in partnership and in taking the gospel to the nations. But it's not, let's not miss, while we're talking about taking the gospel to the nations and we're highlighting the Uganda ministry, let us not miss the necessity of our next door neighbors. Let us not miss the necessity of the community that is gathered around us here in Baton Rouge. We've started strong in sending a, a team to, uh, to Grace to do this replant. Let us not forget that. Let us continue to pray for that. Let us continue to lift up that replant in prayer because Satan certainly doesn't want it to succeed. That was one thing we saw tremendously on this trip that Satan did not want the efforts of this team to succeed. And he will do everything he can to hinder the work of the gospel in going forward. So I want to challenge us and I want to encourage us to not look past our neighborhood, not look past uh, our homes and to make certain that we are making disciples and it begins in our homes and the emphasis throughout, even as you see on the front of the worship guide, the, um, the Great Commission, I know you heard it referenced or, or preached from last Sunday with Matthew 28, 19 and 20, that we would make disciples of all nations as we go. Acts 1, 8, the similar commission. Jesus tells the apostles, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the remotest parts of the earth. And so it's God by His Holy Spirit that He equips us in order to accomplish the work that He has called us to do in order to evangelize people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and to take the good news of the gospel and to share it. It is by His Word that He equips us. So He empowers us by His Spirit and by His Word He equips us to know and to be able to share the love of God and to be able to share the hope and the power of His Word with those that we come in contact with and to live a life guided and directed by God's Word. And so my challenge for us this morning, our challenge I believe is this team has come back and reported to the congregation all that God has done. Our challenge is not to let what God has done there fizzle, but let it come back and let us be challenged. As we meet together in home groups, 
Let us be intentional to ask, how are we making disciples? As we meet together in home groups, let us be intentional to ask, how are we reaching out and engaging in ministry that's outside and beyond, of our, beyond ourselves? And there certainly is opportunity to nurture and encourage one another within the home groups. But how do we do that without or outside? How are we sharing the gospel? And I'll just challenge us really practically. Uh, even when it comes to something like VBS, uh, I know last year I think we had to turn some children away. We had to turn children away because we didn't have enough volunteers to, to help with VBS. And so I, I want to challenge you, let us not have that problem this year. Let us have more volunteers. Maybe God would open the door for you to be able to help and lay that on your heart for you to help and volunteer for VBS. That way we don't have to turn children from our community away. And then finally, let me challenge you with this. Maybe the Lord has prompted your heart this morning. And, uh, and maybe God has convinced you or said to you that you need to go on a mission trip, that you need to be part of this Uganda trip, or you need to be on the next mission trip that happens from Cross Point. You need to be part of engaging in missions. And, and if that's you, I want to challenge you this morning. Write that down. Write the date today. Write it down. Because there will be days when Satan will come against you and say, God didn't really tell you that. God didn't really say and convict you that you needed to go on that trip or you needed to engage in this mission. And so I want to challenge us this morning as, we, um, as we've heard the report and heard the things that God has done, that we ourselves would be engaged, that we ourselves would be encouraged because it's part of what we as a congregation have done, that we would be challenged to go forth and to do the same, to make disciples even here, to reach out into our community, to share the gospel with those that we work with and those we go to school with. And so I want to I close this in prayer, and I want to ask you that maybe, if the Lord is leading you, that you would take an opportunity to, uh, to respond how God is, to how God is leading you. Maybe the response would be that you would just come forward and kneel down and, and have a prayer of commitment about following God and what He is calling you to do. Uh, maybe you need to write that down on a piece of paper, even on the response card that you tore off from the bulletin, and share that with, uh, with the elders so that we can encourage you, pray for you, and help hold you accountable in that. I'm going to tell you, we need accountability. If we don't have it, we'll kind of back up and, and just kind of drop off the scene. And so as I pray, I want you to consider and uh, and ask how the Lord is leading you to respond. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for the testimony that we have heard this morning from the mission team. Thank you, God, for the work that you have done in Uganda through the team. And thank you, Lord, for the work that you desire to do in and through Cross Point continually. Thank you, Father, for the replant work at Grace, and we continue to lift up Grace, praying that your hand would continue to sustain them. And Father, we pray, we pray, Lord, that your hand would continue to sustain us here at Cross Point as well. Lord, that you would strengthen us, that you would encourage us, that you would give us, uh, give us the, the hope and, and, uh, and the joy of walking with you, that we would experience that. 
And I pray, Father, that you would uh, lead us now to make, write down those commitments, to make the commitment to you that you've challenged us to. Let us not forget it, Father. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. I want to ask you at this time, if you will, to stand. I'll be down front. One of the elders will be, some of the elders would be down front if you just need someone to pray with you. Uh, or uh, maybe you just want to come and pray here at the steps. You, you pray and follow as God leads. steadfast love for they have been from of old remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions according to your steadfast love remember me for the sake of your goodness O Lord
Psalm 25 continues, Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right, and he teaches the humble his way. In light of that, we're going to move into our time of offering and our time of giving. So if you would um, be seated and gather with those near you um, and just pray in response um, to God's faithfulness.
Miss Diane. Uh, Nick mentioned that uh, we sent 60 people over to Grace a couple years ago. It was December 2010 when we prayed over a group of 60 to send them over and that some have been returning. Uh, and we wanted to recognize two families this morning who have just returned, the Cooper family and the St. Pay family. If they can come up here for just a moment. We want to take the opportunity just to say thank you to them for uh, the service that they've done and, and being at Grace the last couple of years. And um, I'd like if they take just a moment to share with us something they've learned through that, that time that we might benefit from. So, Eric, would you mind sharing just a little something? Um, well, kind of first off, I guess, uh, just like Michelle was talking about, if you work with Byron and you volunteer a little bit, you know, you get the more you volunteer with him, the more you're voluntold by him. <laughs> so, um, but uh, it, it was it was great because you know, especially going off with a small group, uh, it forces you to. Well, any contribution you make is a big impact. So seeing that and then kind of getting out of your comfort zone and volunteering for different things. Um, Help. I mean, we, we gave some, but we received a lot more um, spiritually. So, and, and doing, you know, a whole bunch of different things and getting involved with the ministries there. And seeing, you know, even though they were, it was a small, small church and, you know, some of their ministries that they had going on there, and it, was, it was really amazing, you know, like Mr. George going to Angola, his ministry for years and years, and uh, the special angels, which I helped out with and stuff, and that was it was it was fun and enjoyable but uh it was it was rewarding too at the same time so and then and, and then even getting to see Alex was baptized there so it was it was a great time talk about out of your comfort zone this is very out of my comfort zone <laughs> so i wrote a couple things down like michelle cuz i had a point and i didn't want to ramble and not get to it but um we went planning to stay a year and then um at the one at the end of the year mark None of us just, we just didn't felt, feel like we were finished there. And so um, year two started. And uh, sometime during that second year, um, well, Casey and I taught Sunday school the whole time we were there, um, the young kids. And sometime during that second year, just, I really don't even know how they started coming or where, why, where they even came from. I still, but the, um, some Burmese children started coming and from, I believe, some refugee apartments. And they just showed up one day, and we didn't know who they were or where they came from. or We didn't know for weeks if they spoke English because they never said anything. And so we just did our Bible study and, you know, our, our story and our craft and just tried to minister to them. And we found out Cynthia or Pat was um, would, you know, alternate and pick them up and, and bring them to us. And so um, we just kind of it – was, it was hectic because we um, – we just we didn't know if they spoke English and if they needed to go to the bathroom and if and they would just cry. So after a while, their moms um, started to come also, and they would just they came in our class. Their English was so poor and um, just had such little knowledge of of the Bible that they would come to our class because it was easier for them to understand and. Then we found out that the children could speak because they started kind of translating for their moms, and we're like, wow. And then, um, but the moms knew very little English, and so we would throw out these cliche terms that we just, you know, know our kids, that our kids just grow up hearing like God is holy, and the moms were like, 
holy, you know, and we were trying to explain to them, and um, it was really challenging, and um, one of them was Buddhist, and um, just totally broke this perfect little bubble that I lived in, and, you know, that um, had always grown up in, that, uh, like I said, I didn't even know these refugee apartments existed, you know, and so uh, that, but she kept coming back, and she wanted to hear, and she wanted to learn, and she wanted to understand, but um, the culture is so different, like, they're never away from their moms, except for the kids that, they do go to school, but the younger ones, they're never away from their mothers, and so they would cry and cry and cry, and we would work and finally get them calmed down, and the mom would come back in to check on them, and then she would leave again, and they would cry and cry and cry, and so it was really challenging and really hectic, but you could see um, there was a big lesson for us in it as well, and um, it was really what you hit on today, Nick, was it's, you can serve right here, and um, we can reach even people from another country right here, right here in Baton Rouge. They exist, and they, they don't know God's word, and they're not, they're not Christians, and um, that you can do that right here, and that we, we were able to do that right there at Grace, and something that I had never really been a part of, and we didn't even have to leave Baton Rouge, so um, we went there to serve, and we went there to help and just be a presence to welcome others when they come in and kind of fill the void on jobs that needed to be done there, but we received a blessing. While we were there, we, we received the biggest blessing, truly. Uh, just a note on Byron. He was like that in high school, so he hasn't changed. <clears throat> but he, like Eric said, he volunteered us to paint. We uh, changed multiple toilets, and, I mean, we did all kind of things. Grace was in a little bit of disrepair in some of the buildings, so we were able to serve that way, which was it was good to see the progress and just to change that church, the buildings. When we initially got there, there was the Grace Congregation and then the Cross Point folks that came over. That's how a lot of times it was referred to. Um, and over the couple years we were there, there was a third party that came in from the surrounding areas, which was great to see. They're really involved, um, and they're taking the place of a lot of the things that uh, Tracy and Casey did, and then eventually, you know, it became just uh, Grace, you know, it was just the congregation at Grace, and we were very welcomed, and, you know, when we left, we were missed, um, and every time we came back here, we were welcomed here, so like I told Byron when we left, we just have been blessed with basically two church families, you know, it was a win-win situation for us if we stay at Grace or come back to Cross Point. But Cross Point does have a very special place in our heart, and we're very glad to be back. And for the, you know, the reception y'all gave us when we came back was great. No one forgot us, I don't believe. Uh, and we haven't definitely forgotten about y'all. And we're not going to forget about Grace. We're going to continue to help if he needs. And when he tells us what we have to do, we'll go do it. So <laughs> that's not a problem. Yeah, thank them. Thank you so much. I'm sure many of you already have, but make sure to just say thank you to them when you, when you see them. I'm going to ask T. Wright to come up. I hope that you've noticed in the bulletin an advertisement for pizza and apologetics. Uh, T. is going to be leading a time on Sunday night, April 28th, to give us some information, so I'll let him just tell us a little about that. Thanks, Kevin. I want to read you guys a quote first. 
The Gospels are not reliable accounts of what happened in the history of the real world. All were written long after the death of Jesus and also after the epistles of Paul, which mention none of the alleged facts of Jesus' life. Nobody knows who the four evangelists, the writers of the four Gospels, were, but they certainly never met Jesus personally. Um, that's a quote from The God Delusion by Richard Dawkins. Uh, Richard is a uh, world-renowned author, speaker, and debater and held a distinguished professorship um, in science at Oxford for several years. Um, but I feel like that quote really embodies the spirit of um, academia um, in our religious departments all across our public universities. And what's found in the universities will often find its way into Main Street. And so we're kind of posed with a question when someone attacks the historical reliability of the Gospels, um, the authorship of the Gospels, um, what do you say? And uh, what do you say when it's your coworker, or your friend, or your family member, and how do you respond? Uh, well, it certainly requires a lot of thought um, and ultimately re will require you giving reasons for why you believe what you believe. And so the aim of Pizza and Apologetics is really to tackle uh, some of these questions on the historical reliability of the Gospels. At least that's where um, I'd like to start. And so we want to invite you guys out. Uh, it'll be, as Kevin said, the 28th at 530. Uh, we will have food, um, and then we will go into a discussion. And hopefully I'll talk or give a presentation for about an hour, and then maybe we'll have some time for questions. But everyone's invited. Um, I guess it would be wise if you could just call ahead and tell the church that you're coming so we could have an idea of how much food uh, to buy. So please come if you have the time. I'd love to have you. That'll be uh, 545, 545, just um, make sure. Uh, last things, VBS sign-up. Make sure to take advantage of online sign-up sign, uh, for your children. And then also, uh, as we said last Sunday, let us know if you'd like to volunteer. You can do that by writing it on the little tear-off and then turning it in on, at one of the doors on your, on your way out. Uh, we do want to thank you for being with us this morning. Uh, we ask you now to stand. If you have any needs, again, please let us know. We'd love to serve you. Uh, Gayanne is reminding me one last thing. If you need a cookbook... If you need a cookbook, Gayanne has, has some order forms, so please see her after, and she'd like to, to hook you up, um, and it's, it goes towards the school, to benefit the school. Thank you, Gayanne. Let's sing the doxology together. Psalm 2510, all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. in peace.